forever. Dog. Hello again, I am Gabe Gonzalez, and you are listening to the QWERTY Podcast. This is a weekly show from QWERTY and Forever Dog, where I will be covering the news, politics, pop culture, whatever's tickling me this week. I'll also invite a guest to hang out for a little bit. We will reflect on the week, and we'll talk, we'll chat, we'll just generally keep it cute. This week, we will be talking about a few news stories, uh, a viral video that is now worth thousands of dollars, the right-wing groups behind the recent wave of anti-trans legislation, and how one Grammy Award-winning artist hid a videotape she didn't want anyone to see. Plus, we've got a genuinely incredible guest today. I'm very excited about performer, mogul of media, pageant creator, drag race runner, and the most iconic music sensation to wear a snake around her neck since Britney Lynn Spears. Alaska is here today, and we will be asking her about the past, the future, memories, bad lighting, and her brand new comedy special. But first, we have got to talk about these headlines I have so gently teased at the beginning of the show in a little segment we like to call Catch Her Up. All right, our first headline of the week, Chris Crocker sells their iconic Leave Britney Alone tape as an NFT. I'm going to be really honest, very vulnerable uh, in this moment and tell you I am still not entirely sure what an NFT is. I don't know what it means. I have read words on this topic, but there is a wall there my brain cannot process. But from what I gather, it involves paying cryptocurrency for art with some sort of digital proof you are the owner, like keeping the tag on your Beanie Baby or putting your handle in the middle of a meme so nobody can crop it out. Crocker did say they'll be using the money to take care of their family and hopefully begin funding their transition. Earlier this month, they mentioned on Instagram they're on a journey to feel comfortable with their gender expression. The Leave Britney Alone video actually sold for $41,000 at a digital auction. And if I can be real for a minute, that is too low. Like, that's a priceless work of art that belongs in the Smithsonian or the Met, a viral video in the Louvre. I don't know. It is time. All right. And if anything, $41,000, in my opinion, does not begin to cover what we owe Chris Crocker for mocking them when they were right about Britney the entire time. Although I don't need to tell you all that. I feel like we know. Properly vindicated. All right, our second headline of the day, how anti-trans laws started gaining traction in the U.S. This week, trans writer and advocate Bryn Tannehill posted a thread on Twitter breaking down how the current wave of anti-trans bills being introduced nationwide started gaining traction. To nobody's surprise, the impetus behind the transphobia isn't grassroots community movement, but a hateful cause funded by rich conservatives pouring money into a new cultural wedge issue after losing on gay marriage. And the wave of hateful laws we're seeing today have actually been in the works since 2015, when conservative nonprofits poured money into transphobic causes, like uh, one conservative Christian nonprofit called the Alliance Defending Freedom that funded a supposedly feminist group that was actually a political front propped up for the sole purpose of demonizing trans people. So it's worth taking a look at the thread and how attempts to legally attack trans kids especially is a cynical tactic deployed to invent an issue conservative voters can feel angry about. Um, You can check out more on Tannehill's thread on LGBTQ Nation as well. And our last headline of the day, Brandi Carlisle saved a recording of Ellen DeGeneres coming out on tape labeled with her boyfriend's name. This story uh, touched my heart very deeply. So as a teenager, she taped an episode of Ellen's sitcom in 1997 when Ellen DeGeneres came out as her character on the show. But Brandi Carlyle wanted to hide this tape, so she labeled the tape David's Baseball Game. I'm thinking who among us cannot relate to finding ingenious ways to hide things as a closeted queer kid. I don't know if the stuff I was hiding was always nearly as wholesome, but I definitely saved my first boyfriend's name as Kelly B on my flip phone. So... Shout out to Kelly for having a name my parents would be okay with if they saw that sexed. I know straight people usually expect too much credit for their allyship, but the folks who helped us lie along the way are so crucial. So shouts out to David's and Kelly's all around. 
Now, it is time to invite on today's guest, who really needs no introduction. She's a Drag Race winner from All-Star Season 2, a multiple-time QWERTY Award winner, the co-host of the podcast Race Chaser, the creator of the Drag Queen of the Year Pageant Competition Award Contest Competition, a former girl group member, the musician behind albums like Anus and Vagina, and as of yesterday, the star of the new comedy special, the Alaska Thunderfuck Extra Special Comedy Special. Please welcome to the show the incomparable Alaska. Hi. Hi. How are you? Thanks for joining us today. Oh my gosh. How are you doing? I am a spectacular. I'm thrilled to have you here as an avid race chaser listener. Long time oh, listener, why, first you. time Zoom caller. You know, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you, especially for all the work you've put in over the years. I feel like that was one of the first podcast discoveries I, I ever made. And here we are in the great world of podcasts. It's beautiful. Here we are. I know it's wild. Podcasting is like a whole ass thing. It started out as a, a vague curiosity. And, and now it's like I listen to so many podcasts. I think especially now, yeah, podcasts are sort of flourishing. They're a lovely way to create with people from a distance, I guess. Definitely. I am curious, how did that partnership with you and Willem sort of start for Race Chaser? It's such a lovely dynamic. It's like great chemistry. Was it kind of like a friend's like, let's fool around thing? Or was it fated? Was it in the stars? Well, it sort of was. Uh, we were at Burning Man. And yeah. I tell <laughs> yes. you, a lot of amazing things are born at Burning Man. <laughs> we were trying to leave Burning Man in our RV and we were just sitting there and it was stuck. I mean, the line wasn't moving because it's like thousands of cars trying to leave the desert in the middle of the day. So we were sitting there for hours. <laughs> I think it was like five or six hours, possibly more. And the thing that was getting us through this like long time of waiting and sitting was a podcast and it was called Out on the Lanai and it's a Golden Girls podcast where they listen to every episode of the Golden Girls and then they talk about each one. And so we were like, as we were listening, we really felt like we knew the hosts after all these hours of listening to them. And we were like, what if we did this about Drag Race? Because we sit around and talk about Drag Race all the time anyway. It's what drag queens do. So we did it and it became a thing. And now we do it. Our goal is to talk about every single episode of Drag Race. Perfect. A lofty one, but I'm sure I am sure you all will reach it. I also I think what people love about it is that you and Willem both have this like encyclopedic knowledge of Drag Race and all the gals. <laughs> like there are two types of Drag Race alumni. There's like Bibi Zahara Benet, who's like, I don't know her. I haven't seen that episode. Like I want I'm done so's. And you all are like, I'm inhaling this. Yeah, which I get it when I meet someone who is like, oh, I don't. I don't really I don't really watch Drag Race. I'm like, it's a TV show about drag queens. Is there anything more to say? Canada, UK, Thailand, I will be there down under. I'm just I'm going to be there. I'm obsessed with it. I love it's my favorite show. I'm in a long-term relationship with Wow Presents Plus, a truly ah! the international <laughs> drag show. It's my steadiest and healthiest. Yeah. Gap chat. Yes, mm -hmm. truly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Heidi's infamous gap. I was gagged when the Switch got added on there, too. That's something my boyfriend actually introduced me to because like a friend of his in Colombia told him about it. And when I saw Gia Gunn drag a girl within an inch of her life in my native language in Spanish, that was truly a moment. 
Gia Gunn is a poet. She is. She's the poet laureate of drag. She's really just everything she does and says is is magic. She's a wordsmith, truly. In in multiple languages, which we love. Yes, (laughs) in multiple languages. A polyglot queen. Oh, my God. (laughs) So your comedy special also came out yesterday. And that's something I got a chance to watch, which I was so excited about it. I love it because you have these great, just like iconic, legendary guests like Sherry Vine, Jackie Beat, Margaret Cho, which Mm -hmm. is a gag. I'm wondering how you kind of chose to structure this comedy special. I think it's so interesting because you have comedy, you've got a lip sync competition, you have sort of this meta commentary happening through these really insightful interviews with really lovely moments. When you envisioned this project, was this sort of the end result? You were like, all right, I'm merging all these things together and it's going to become this. I wish I was that smart to think of it ahead of time. No, I was like, they were like, okay, they want you to do a comedy special. And I was like, okay, well, a comedy special is a comedian standing there for an hour being hilarious. There's no way I can do that. (laughs) Being a comedian is really, really hard. Okay. Comedians go out there and I don't consider myself a comedian. Comedians go out there naked, pretty much in their street clothes. They stand there with a microphone and that is all they have. And maybe a glass of water if they want to get crazy. And they stand there for an hour and they make you laugh your tits off. So like me, like I'm a drag queen who is funny sometimes. I am not a comedian. So I was like, how can I do this? How can I do this assignment? So I was like, okay, I have some jokes in my joke file in my phone. (laughs) I also have some songs. We have to do musical numbers. We have to do a drag contest. We have to have Jeremy play a crystal bowl. And so we just had to be really extra and drag about it. That's what's so exciting, right? It's like, I'm going to do my own spin on this, right? Do a format that kind of caters to my tastes and wants. Because I think there are plenty of hour-long specials of somebody (laughs) on stage and a bench and a glass of water, right? It's like, you really... it's And I I think I kind of appreciated that too. I think, you know, I'm a stand-up comedian myself and even like 10 minutes sometimes can feel like an eternity when it's not popping, when it's not happening. Right. And so just, yeah, make it what you want it to be. I think those are the most fun performances to watch. I think that's what made it so exhilarating too. It's like I literally did not know what was coming next and it was (gasps) thrilling. And neither did I. So God (laughs) bless. We're in this ride together. I love it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you also like kind of filmed it like partly before the pandemic and, and kind of mm. uh, during based on these Zoom calls. Did that sort yeah. of influence the direction they, those powers that be that ordered the comedy special took it or you? We filmed it pre-pandemic, like mm-hmm. in November, November of 2019. And then like it goes away and people edit it and chop it together for months and months and months. And during that time, the world completely changed. Then I was looking at it and I was like, I don't know, first of all, if it's, if it's appropriate to put out a thing where I'm in a theater telling jokes in a time where we're not allowed to be in theaters and like there's a lot of serious shit happening right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's appropriate. And then we were like, maybe we can make that conversation part of it in order to put it in the context of like the new world. And so we did these like Zoom calls with my comedy, you know, comedy goddesses, mm-hmm. um, Jackie and Sherry and Margaret, who like We sort of talked through it and we were like, you know, we got to the conclusion that like the world is crazy and scary, but people are always going to need to laugh and sort of have a, a moment of, you know, rest from that. 
Sure, absolutely. And I think it must be so wild looking back on like a moment when live performance was happening and just kind of reflecting <laughs> so on your craft. Yeah, right. It's like we're all we're all podcasting now, whether we like it or not. So right, exactly. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, I am an avid race chaser listener, and <sighs> a while back, you had like a moment that struck me because I feel like you are you're the even keel. <laughs> person in that dynamic sometimes i mean yeah. like, i feel like dipper is coming through with with the tips uh-huh every yes. now and then that's uh-huh. an old love of mine too i worked on some dipper videos forever ago as a pa so oh, that was whack. the first time i heard that voice pop up i edited a few we go way back she's an old friend but the three of you together are magic right and i think you had a moment where not you weren't necessarily heated but you were kind of really passionate about this topic you were talking about an article i think that came out in like 2019 you know in which drag queens were like photographed in a decidedly unflattering light and kind of ranked in this way that maybe focused on on power, right? Yeah. And I'm it's just it, it did feel really ridiculous and kind of disrespectful. And I think you pointed out some valid things. And I'm wondering if like maybe that kind of speaks to a bigger thing. Like, do you think there are things you would change if you could about the way drag is covered in mainstream publications or maybe the way some of the dragways alum are framed in in the media today? Yes. And the thing is, it's like these things aren't going to happen overnight because we are right now. Drag is having a really serious major moment. And that's fierce. Drag Race is the biggest show on television, arguably. And so, like, drag is having a moment. It has taken a little bit of time for, like, Hollywood and the media and just the, you know, for all of that to, like, catch up and understand what is drag? Like, what is that? I'm hopeful about it because I know that the treatment of drag queens has gotten significantly better just in the last, like, few years. Significantly better. There was a time not long ago when I I always used to say, like, there are dogs who are on a set uh, of a TV show or a movie or whatever. Dogs get treated better. Than drag queens. Dogs have a dressing room and a handler and running water and a toilet. And drag queens are like, no, you can show up and do your own hair and makeup and g- get paid nothing. You get paid exposure and you sit in the parking lot for eight hours. It's getting better, but like people don't know. People don't know what the fuck drag is. But like, I'm glad it's like, it's happening and it is getting better. Yeah. And I think people are seeing different forms of it as well, right? Like, I remember the first time I showed my grandmother a video of a drag race lip sync. She was like, oh, yeah, I used to go to clubs like that in the 60s where like men would dress up like celebrities and like sing live and perform songs from their favorite divas. Right. Right. And I, lo- I A, I love that, right? That this 80 year old woman can like track this. Um, the place was called El Cotorrito, the little <gasps> parrot. And it was in Puerto Rico. And she and like my naval officer grandfather would go watch. <laughs> drag queens which is a gag and a half for me word yeah, yeah. right I, she almost became a catholic nun too i did not expect this story it was a it was a little stunt she pulled on me she hid that story for a long time wow <laughs> but yeah i think you know for a long time i think that's i think what people thought of right because it, it was happening in queer nightlife spaces it's the lip sync it's the performance but now i think we're seeing makeup artists and designers and people who are also actors and stand-up comics kind of entering the mainstream and drag and it's it's an explosion of i don't know little tiny lanes and niches that you can occupy within this thing that is a, a bigger umbrella that i think was kind of maybe treated like a monolith 
monolith, I guess, for a while. And I mean, the great thing about drag is that you get to do a little bit of everything or you can. You have license to because drag is still kind of the wild, wild west and there's no rules. So like I can do music and I can sell a little pound cake doll and I can put my <laughs> face on a t-shirt and I can do a comedy special and I can act and, and I can write whatever it is. Like drag queens are allowed to do everything. Talking a little bit about maybe public perception of drag queens, I think this question gets asked a lot, but I'm wondering where you're at with it now, because I think we are maybe reaching a, a turning point where this conversation is kind of entering the cultural consciousness. I think the way fans interact with the show has become Come, or a lot of folks have said has become increasingly negative. It's something that you also maybe faced yourself after season two, but you managed to turn it into a sick music video <laughs> that was, right. you know, turned trauma into treasure. This is maybe the other side of the coin, right? On one hand, we have sort of the mainstream media and straight folks who are interacting with drag for the first time via TV, but we've also got these fans who are kind of fiercely involved in the show and feel very passionate about the queens they support and sometimes, unfortunately, the queens they dislike. So I guess, like, how how do you feel about the way fans are interacting with the show? Do you think it's maybe getting better or, or worse? And uh, assuming any young potential drag race contestants are out there, what would you tell them about distancing yourself from social media or engaging with it? Well, it's getting worse, but I don't think that's like just drag race fans online. I think it's every human being who's online because we are spending more and more time online. Yeah. With the pandemic, our only reality is online. It's important, not just for Drag Race fans, but just in general, that like we realize and recognize that like there is real life that exists outside of the Internet and online and social media, because when you're talking on a phone and you're typing and there's a screen, you say things mm -hmm. that you would never say to another person's face. You would never, ever. But you have anonymity and you have a little bit there's so much distance, but you don't realize that there's like a young person on the other side of that who you're saying that to. Mm. And it really does affect them in a really serious, serious way, in ways that we don't even know right now how bad it is. I guess I would say and get off the phone as much as you can and fucking be nice if you are on the phone. Yeah. God, it makes me think about something I read about Jojo Siwa very recently. Bless her heart, like, came out very publicly. I don't know, it was so interesting because she was like, on the one hand, coming out publicly and being on the internet, connecting me to people like Kerry Washington and Elton John, who supported me. And she was mm -hmm. like, on the other hand, I read nasty stuff about myself and didn't sleep for three days. So it's like, I, I can't yeah. imagine any teenager going through that. I am so thankful I had a flip phone when I was 17 and could not be on Twitter all day. Like, <laughs> I love that I had right? dial up for a while, right? That was great. I didn't have to. I couldn't. Physically could not. Yeah. We have a foot in the world of remembering what it was like before the internet existed. And to be a child and a baby who has always had a smartphone, I guess it is more and more like part of your reality. But that being said, that means that the negative is even more hurtful to those people. So it's like we're being meaner to each other and it's hurting us more. It's so horrible. 
<laughs> I hate it. I we're hate coping that. with the pandemic. We're I swear we're coping. No, but it, it it does. It can feel kind of overwhelming sometimes. It's like, you know, just the stream of negativity. And it's like, is that an inevitable consequence of just like more people using the internet and it being more normalized? Like, I don't know. Where did people vent all this stuff before? Like, was there like a town square where people like I don't I need to know how people dealt with this. It's wild. Oh God. Speaking of a pre-internet era, I was really taken with this story of Brandy Carlisle hiding the tape of Ellen DeGeneres coming out. I used to hide things. I used to like print uh, porn pictures on Word documents, like print out a sheet and then like delete the Word document. And that's how I would look at like fitness magazines and like shirtless men and then crumple it up and throw it away. (laughs) Work. Was there anything like ingenious that you ever had to come up with as a child to hide something that seemed a bit gay, like a doll, an article of clothing, an original Broadway cast recording? Oh, let me think. I mean, there's so many. I wasn't allowed to play with Barbies. (gasps) Me neither. Oh, yeah. So my sister had outgrown her Barbies, but there was a box of motherfucking Barbies in her closet unused. That I was not allowed to touch. (laughs) Pissed. (laughs) But I sort of skirted around the not having dolls thing by I had a whole bunch of different characters. So I had like some I had a whole bunch of G.I. Joes. But I also had like um, I remember specifically the Belle from Beauty and the Beast. (gasps) But she was a plastic. She was a McDonald's toy. But she was in a fucking dress and she was sickening. And also there was Catwoman. Thank God for Catwoman. Catwoman was an action figure and she was sickening. And I still wear her uniform and her outfit to this day. Mine was the Alicia Silverstone Batgirl costume from the Joel Schumacher Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. That was a great. She was a curvaceous action figure and she had attitude. I loved it. And I was like, it's from a superhero movie. I can own it. We'll be fine. Exactly. <laughs> oh, this is straight. This is yes. straight. Family. This yes. is straight. DC characters helping every young queer person live out their, <laughs> their forbidden Barbie fantasy. Thank God for Catwoman. Truly. I would be nothing without Catwoman. Oh, bless her heart. Michelle Pfeiffer is my favorite one, but Eartha Kitt might might be giving her a run for her money. Yeah. Too many iconic portrayals. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer turned me gay. Yes. Honestly, same. I think watching her crack that whip, a seminal moment. A, yeah. Truly. <laughs> All right. Well, right now, I think we're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you about some breaking Bachelor news fresh off the presses when we're recording this. It'll be out in a few days. And also just a little bit about your pre-performance routine. So we're going to take a break and we will be right back. And we are back with our very special guest, Alaska Thunderfuck. I am your host. This is the QWERTY Podcast. You know the deal. We haven't been gone too long. I will be honest. I'm going to ask you about something that I am not very familiar with, which is The Bachelorverse. But this is a reality show that you have also been on. I was on The the Bachelorette? Yes, yes, true. The Bachelorverse is, is all-encompassing, yeah. But yes, I have dipped my toe into that world, and that's about as far as my knowledge goes, was my time on the set that day, which was really cool and fun and weird. Yeah, it looked very surreal, but super fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's great. So today, there's a former Bachelor that came out very publicly, and a lot of folks are pointing out that he conveniently had a reality show on Netflix lined up like mere hours after this public declaration. And as I mentioned with Chris Crocker, I'm all for turning your trauma into dollars. I love that. Mm -hmm. But something of this reeks of hijinks. Stuntery is afoot in the minds of some. And there's also some stuff in the past that's been a bit concerning. And finally, his name is Colton Underwood, which sounds like his parents scrolled through like Sean Cody scenes instead of a baby list name. So there, there are a lot of things I have questions about, but I'm wondering if this news has crossed your path and what your take on this is, what you think of this this young Mr. Underwood. Yes, I saw this because um, they talked about it on The View today. Oh, um, they did? Ooh, so, okay. And he looked really familiar to me. And I think it was just because I think The Bachelor is that is so pervasive that you see it even if you don't watch it. You still mm. see this guy everywhere on billboards and whatever. I mean, you know, living your truth is important and it's hard, especially when there's so many people who have an expectation of you. And you know what? Okay, he had a Netflix show ready to go. We're good. Why wouldn't he? I mean, he also had an interview with Robin Roberts. So, like, why would you not plan it a little? Yeah, of course. You know, I, I guess I understand that some people might find it like kind of cynical, maybe. But at the same time, I'm like, we we live in a society. No, but truly, I feel like we we live in a time where I, I think you have to be unapologetic about maybe monetizing, for lack of a better word, or kind of flipping again, something that could be perceived as a negative or a supposed controversy and kind of owning it on your own terms and setting the, the way that conversation is happening and unfolding. I'm going to reserve judgment on the Netflix show until I see it. He's also not just some guy like he was right, on the yeah. biggest show on television. Yeah. I'm now calling everything the biggest show on television. The biggest show on, on television. this podcast. I, <laughs> you know, Mork and Mindy, the biggest show, <laughs> the biggest. arguably the biggest show on television right now. Alf, definitely the biggest show on television. <laughs> But no, he's not just some guy. He was on The Bachelor. Millions of people know him as a straight guy. So like this is a big deal. And he has to kind of deal with it using the media because he's in the media. I mean, I do think, yeah, I think there's something about like kind of the commodification of the coming out story, but that's not like a him issue. That's a everything systemic kind of issue. Yeah, this is cool. This is I have a feeling Twitter is going to be talking about this for a while and I I may need to develop an opinion. Yeah, I mean, I know nothing about him. He might be horrible. Yeah, there's some there's some story about a restraining order in the past. And like there's there's cringy things. I don't know. This is going to be unfolding again. We're turning trauma into treasure. We shan't bemoan anybody taking advantage of that opportunity. Bemoan him for being a horrible person. Don't bemoan him for having a Netflix special around the time that he came out. Like, I don't bemoan anyone for that. But if he's a horrible person, f*** him. If he's a terrible person, f*** him. But I, you know, if I'm (laughs) celebrating Chris Crocker's NFT, then we're celebrating a Netflix reality show. Oh, gosh. I have a question that is maybe a little more personal. I feel like performers of all types kind of have maybe a pump-up song or a pre-performance ritual. And I'm Mm. wondering, what is yours? What are you doing moments before you get on stage or moments before you get in front of the camera? Well, T is very very important to me. Ooh, okay. I love having tea. Like if I have a show, having a huge Earl Grey tea is like very, very important. Vital. Vital. As far as like music or like stuff like that, I think of like shows that Jeremy and I have done. It's like we usually listen to music that has nothing to do with the show we're about to do. We'll put on some old like Judy Garland 
music before we go do some boom boom like electronic drag music <laughs> i love listening to patty labelle right now Ooh. i put on her like spotify like this is patty labelle and um i'm obsessed with her i think she is one of the greatest of all time i like music that pretty much has nothing to do with what i do <laughs> That's healthy, though. You've got to yeah. have, you know, you've got to have that distance. I also, Patti LaBelle is also a multi-brand queen, right? We've got singer, songstress, pumpkin pie purveyor, truly yes! just learning how to make a brand. I love that. Those Patty's pies were the moment a hot second ago. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, That's also something that I really loved, not to like kind of circle back to the comedy special, but I love that you said you've tried so many things and you do so many different things on the comedy special. But when it comes to like sort of your signature you're like superman doesn't change their costume jessica rabbit doesn't change their costume why right why try to reinvent the wheel every time and i love that i don't know i think that's spectacular i think it goes beyond a brand i think maybe it's just like a point of view or a visual cue to be like this is alaska yeah and for me it's like a feeling people ask me like why does alaska have like black eyes like why Mm. does she have dark eyes and i'm like she just does it's a feeling that's what she looks like so i always think of it as a cartoon character it's like Mm. if you don't look like the cartoon character then you don't look like the thing so if people are coming to a mickey mouse show and mickey mouse is suddenly wearing like he has like devil horns instead of mouse ears you're gonna be confused and not recognize him so like i want you to be able to draw me on a piece of paper on a cocktail napkin Mm. and know what that looks like and i want you to see me from across the room and say oh Oh, that's Alaska. There's so many folks like that. I think you, Trixie, the eye, you know what I mean? Oh, you yeah, could, like, definitely. spray paint Trixie's eyes on like a sidewalk across the world. And if I saw it, I'd be like, oh, I know her. I know who I that w- is. I would yeah. step on it. If I saw it on the sidewalk. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh my gosh. I have so many more questions I want to ask you. Uh, deep in the back of my mind, I want to know what it was like to dress up in Handmaid's Tale cosplay with Chad Michaels, but <laughs> we don't even have we don't even have the time to go. That is a, a yearning question great. deep in my soul. I'm sure it was. That was spectacular. <gasps> oh, that was Chad's line. <laughs> so funny. I what I would her. pay to see every take of that line. <laughs> She's so good. Uh, she better start an OnlyFans with just her outtakes. I would watch in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh, God. Speaking of OnlyFans, I wanted to tell you this at the beginning of the interview. We're going to play a little game before I, I let you go, obviously. But I have to share this with you. So in a different lifetime, I used to edit music videos, as I did for Big Dipper. Yes. <laughs> but also, I would sometimes edit gay porn. And I remember... That that was the world in which I first heard you name dropped, like post season five. I was hanging out with this dude after he was on set and he was talking to me about his life. And he's like, yeah, I used to, I used to live in Pittsburgh. I've actually background danced for Alaska before. And it was, was like a, it? a resume drop. It was so cute. It was so fun. His name was Jonas. I don't know if that rings a bell. Oh, yes. I did. Yes, I did know that Jonas has had dalliances in the world of adult films. Yes, yes. I love Jonas. Such a little sweetheart. And it was just so, it was like, you know, I mean, talking to you about so many academic achievements and like going across the world and taking part in protests and education. And then also it was like, I've also background danced for Alaska. And I was like, that's the most impressive part of the resume list right now. I thought wow. it was a really sweet moment. Yeah. Yeah. Jonas is amazing. Yes. I love just a little throwback. I wanted to see if if maybe that sparked a memory. Old school Alaska. <laughs> wow. So before we let you go, I want to play a little game with you. I play with every guest. It is called Let Me Get You Canceled. Oh, God. 
on. The point of the game is to defend an unpopular or obviously incorrect opinion or person. Okay. Today, I want to do a little throwback if I can. Okay. All right. We're going to ask you to defend the indefensible, a a declared enemy of your pod, LaToya Jackson. So, oh my God. For this, let me get you canceled. It's oh it's uh, less of a cancellation and more of a disavowal of everything <sighs> you stand for. I'm going to have to dig deep. In this world so full of divisiveness, I am going to ask you to bridge the unbridgeable gap. So please, within about a minute, give us three reasons why LaToya Jackson is, in fact, one of the most eminently qualified judges to grace the drag race stage. Okay, well, first of all, thank you to the established and distinguished panel of judges. I uh, really cannot exalt LaToya Jackson enough, okay? (laughs) I mean, her music career, first of all, is impeccable. She has songs like If You Feel the Funk from 1980. I mean, we have, can we talk about You're Gonna Get Rocked? Well, I tell you, if you go to see LaToya in concert, you're going to get rocked, okay? And let's not forget the 2011 hit, Just Wanna Dance, which was also featured on RuPaul's Drag Race as a lip sync song in front of LaToya Jackson. Now, it is true. LaToya Jackson told me I looked like a sad bridesmaid and that if she went to a wedding, she would feel bad for the bride because I looked so ugly. And she said, Alaska just doesn't have it. She doesn't have what it takes to be the next drag queen. That's what she said. But you know what? She was right. She was absolutely right, because I was not the next drag queen. I was not America's next drag superstar. In fact, I never have been America's next drag superstar. I am merely a RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Hall of Fame inductee. (laughs) So LaToya Jackson has incredible music, hit after hit, each one greater than the last. And she also predicted that I would win All-Stars too. So thank you, LaToya. And thank you, Gabe. Thank you, Alaska. What a stunning (laughs) endorsement from one side of the aisle to the other. Joe Biden promised us unity, but Alaska Thunderfuck delivered here on this day on the Pretty Podcast. God. uh, Yes. God bless her. God bless you. God bless her. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, before I let you go, I do want to ask, where can folks find your comedy special? Where can they find you online? I'm sure if they've gotten this far, they know, but please inform us. Let us know. The comedy special is on Out TV USA. And um, you can go to my Instagram, which is at the only Alaska 5000, and you can find it through there. Just Google Out TV Alaska Extra Special Comedy Special, and you can find it. Amazing. Beautiful. Oh, it reminds me of the name of your pageant as well. We didn't even get to talk about the winner, Tenderoni, an amazing drag king. Yes! So many questions, so little time. Exactly. We've got, we've got to do a sequel if we can have you. This has been really lovely. Thank you so much. And I should also mention, Alaska, I think you're doing a benefit for pre Precinct this Monday? Precinct in LA? We are. We're doing Are You Smarter Than a Rue Girl and a Meatball? It is a drag race trivia show, and we are going to be um, battling it out over Zoom with some special guests raising a whole bunch of money for Precinct. Oh, I love that. That sounds spectacular. I'm a huge fan of Meatball. Been on Sloppy Seconds. Love love them both. Really fantastic. It's going to be happening live, so you can go to racechasertickets.com and you can um, get a ticket and every dollar is going to save precinct. 
Amazing. I love that. Yeah. So make sure you find that event, racechasertickets.com. And I am sure you all know that the Save Our Spaces initiative from Gay Cities has also been providing assistance to queer spaces all over the country who've been impacted by the COVID closures. So if you would like to learn more about that or even nominate a nightlife space for a grant uh, in these times, you can go to gaycities.com slash save our spaces. We want to be able to go see Alaska live again. I want to be able to go to $3 bill and see you. Hallelujah. It was, it was, that was a sold out show. It was packed. It was beautiful. Well, we're doing it again, May 22nd and 23rd. Yes. We're doing Blackout, Britney's album. I am thrilled. Oh man, this is going to be exciting. Yes. We're going, we're back at $3 bill this May. That's, I'm really excited about this news. This made my day work. All right. Well, thank you again, Alaska, for coming. This has been a blast. Just such a treat to have you. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks, you too. And if you're listening, please make sure to support the QWERTY podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review our show uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You know, give us five stars. Keep it cute. Keep it real. And you can get your QWERTY fix every day at QWERTY.com. QWERTY has been a joint production between Forever Dog and Q Digital. QWERTY is hosted by me, Gabe Gonzalez, produced by Andrew McGuire, engineered and edited by Shereen Lani Yunez, music by Gabe Lopez, executive produced by Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, Alex Ramsey, Scott Gatz, John Howback, Dan Tracer, and Melissa D. Mox. We'll see you all next week. Forever! Forever!